The burning sun was now in the height of heaven. The contracted shadows were concentrated darkly beneath the trees, and the stillness of noon, filled with the harsh trillings of cicadas, was broken by no human voice. But as he approached the bamboo trellises of the rose garden, a sound like a suppressed sob seemed to come from inside the pergola. Uncertain what it was that he heard, he stopped to listen. Undoubtedly, there was someone there. I guess, yeah, that's... So in review, we have... Uh, first, Bao Yu is visited by Dai Yu. He botches that. <laughs> uh, then they go over to visit Grandmother Jia, and Bao Chai is there, and he, he botches that. Next, he goes to visit his mom. They're all sleeping. Uh, but he manages to botch that as well. Uh, and now he is... Uh, you know... It's kind of... Um, you gotta keep, you gotta keep, keep on keeping on, uh, and, and so now he, it's as if he's sort of uh, aimlessly wandering the garden, searching for some kind of meaning, uh, purpose, but uh, you know, ultimately uh, meandering, and uh, coming upon a a kind of I- iconic part of the garden. That's maybe we should. Do you want to review some of the descriptions here uh sure sure is there a bit in particular you wanted to i'm just looking here uh, in, in the hawks translation um the burning sun was now in the height of heaven the contracted shadows were concentrated dark beneath the trees and the stillness of noon filled with the harsh trilling of cicadas was broken by no human voice but as he approached the bamboo trellises of the rose garden a sound like a suppressed sob seemed to come from inside the pergola. Uncertain what it was that he had heard, he stopped to listen. Undoubtedly, there was someone there. This was the fifth month of the year when the Bramther roses are in fullest bloom. Peeping through the fragrant panicles with which the pergola was smothered, he saw a girl crouching down on the other side of the trellis, scratching at the ground with one of those long, blunt pins the girls use for fastening their hair back in. And, and this, this hairpin that she's scratching with is the same... Uh, it's the same mm-hmm. one that was referred to in that... Um, the saying about dropping the golden um, hairpin in the, in the well. Um, right. That Zan... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so th- there's a definite connection between these scenes, right? The author is trying to... Like, it's forcing us to compare them. Um, 
so Bayou is doing his his thing that he sometimes does of of sneaking up and spying on people. Um, yes, he sort of just did it a moment ago. He's doing it twice in one chapter. A bit much. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, so what does he think is going on here? Well, at first he thought, could this be uh, Frowner, uh, PR, i.e. Dayu? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but he comes to think, well, maybe it's another, you know, another maid, sort of imitating Frowner, a kind of a, a secondhand Frowner. A, a meta frowner. Yeah, I- I- imitating. Right? Yeah, imitating her her habit of burying flower petals. Right. Um, because this figure is is quietly sobbing, mm-hmm. you know, which is um, very like Dayu. Right. And so we talked a little bit about how we think maybe the name uh, PR comes from the representation of Shishir in various classical works, including the Zhuangzi. And so here, explicitly in the text, it said that Bao Yu was reminded of the Zhuangzi story where the, the way this particular kind of story goes is that Shishir was um, was frowning, maybe maybe crying as well. Yeah. But because of her um, sort of exceptional beauty, like her frowning seemed to almost make her even more beautiful. Um, and, and I've commented a few times in the past that like this is, I, I think, the, the kind of the, the aesthetic space that, uh, that Dai Yu's beauty occupies right so this is kind of a really interesting uh story from this like classical philosophical uh you know uh work um and so the story goes on though that uh one of you know one of shisha's neighbors uh a rather uh, less attractive um lady uh tries to imitate uh shisha's uh frowning under the the, the, the the faulty reasoning that this would also make her more beautiful. But of course, in her case, it, it had the reverse effect and her crying uh, was perceived to be, um, to make her even even less appealing. Yeah, it accentuates. Even more. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Hideous in the, in the Hox translation. Um, and and the, it, in, in the story, in the story, the term they use for frowning is that same one, pin. That's used for uh-huh. Dayu. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so he's about to, you know, he's about to call out in this, in effect, this young maid for for imping uh, Dayu's um, style. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But get your own thing. Like stop. Yeah. <laughs> he's stop. Right. Be original. Stop stealing her. Stop stealing her. Her. Move. It would be like if you are really into maybe some kind of like celebrity, and then you see someone uh, wear like the same the same sweater on the street, and then you like you 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 call them out on the street. I don't know. It's it's yeah. He's he's gatekeeping. He's gatekeeping. He's, he's gatekeeping. He's gatekeeping uh, the habit of crying and burying flowers. Um, yes. Only yes. one person is allowed to do that. Okay. Uh, which again it speaks to um, his. If only Dayu would uh, emphasize these moments of um, where she gets a lot of uh, like you know, she's clearly as dominated as um, psychic space. If he's gonna like hallucinate her every which way, um, so if only she could like get this message. Uh, maybe she could chill out a bit. Um, but so we we find out that it's not actually. Uh, uh, Dayu, but rather one of the uh, twelve actresses um, that they had in recent. 
a few chapters ago, they had um, kind of made a trip south to sort of um, to procure these um, these young actresses. Yeah, to acquire who are mm, child yes. actresses. Mm. Right, right, <laughs> and, and and we discussed about how this you know a lot of these you know this society is a, like like a lot of traditional societies. It's just thoroughly corrupt, and you know it's you, you always kind of wonder what the. Uh, it's not as if our like we've made that much progress either. By the way, um, recurring issue that's reflected in this novel, um, <laughs> uh, and so he he recognizes that it's one of these actresses, um, and then he kind of he speculates that while it's not actually Dai Yu, it has the same kind of she she occupies the same. Uh, sort of form of beauty, right? She she's also a shisher beauty, yeah. rather than a uh, guifei beauty. Yeah, there, there's this uh, description of her, um, which I think is good to pull out the Chinese um, here. She's described as mei tsu chun shan, so like her her brows are kind of like knotted, knitted together, like a like mountains in spring. Which I can't say I necessarily mm-hmm. see the. Um, direct relevance but of the of that comparison but and the, I, I like that though it, it's I, I think the idea is it's a mountain but it's not like it's not going to be this like really tapered peak it's going to be a little bit uh, smoother okay. yeah, yeah I get it I get it and then she's described as uh, so her eyes are frowning like autumn waters uh-huh. um, which mm-hmm. again is, is like a rather slightly kind of inscrutable reference I, I don't know it's it's certainly not the most obvious comparison to make but but i, I kind of get the feeling of it definitely it's you know uh choshre in particular is a, an established um like poetic trope uh so you see that a lot in in um it's like a, a kind of a almost like a stock expression for like the beauty i think specifically of like female eyes okay yeah and so okay, that makes yeah sense. anytime you see like autumn water like nine times out of ten, it's it's actually um, referring to just beautiful eyes. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. I see. Um, so these are quite stock images, then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but it it does convey a certain. Um, it, it's it's really interesting to engage with them. They're they're interesting. Um, and then it goes on to say she's uh, uh Yao Xian. So mm-hmm. is to say her face is kind of slim, and uh, Yao her waist is Xian kind of uh-huh. it's almost like minute but really it's you know again like a slight kind of, figure we might say like sl- yeah slender of face and waist yes yeah yeah kind and of like a, a frail disposition but not necessarily in not necessarily in a pejorative sense like a uh, a yeah. slight disposition a slight composition uh, yeah i think that's yeah. probably right and then she's finally lastly described as uh niao niao ting ting which is mm-hmm. to say, like graceful and delicate, something like that. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and and so he notes that yeah, there's a as you said, there's a very similar quality in her appearance compared to Dayu's. Right there, they have the same, not quite as you say, like heroin chic, right. but kind of um, tuberculosis chic, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, very very kind of uh, slender, almost. Fragile, almost frail. I mean, maybe, yeah. Uh, there, there might be a whole conversation there to be had in another context. But yeah, of um, different standards of beauty, some of which uh, even sometimes correspond with um, like 
uh, imperfect health even sometimes. And so maybe there's a little bit of that going on here. And, and so he notices that she has this uh, golden uh, uh, hairpin, this um, zan, and she's writing something in the dust, which is also kind of an interesting sort of uh, wuxing moment where you, you have the gold, the golden dust again, right? And he, at first he, he's thinking, well, maybe she, you know, she has a, this like wonderful idea for a poem and she's writing it to, to practice it maybe so she can remember it, you know, to, to aid uh, retention. Yeah, she's, she's just composing, you know, right here and now. She's, she's so f- filled with inspiration. She has to. Right. Yeah. Which is a, itself a kind of a romantic thought. You'd have to be a kind of a romantic person even to think that's what someone's doing. Um, but actually, she is writing the same character, Chiang, over and over again. Um, and, and so Chiang like, means literally like rose or like a wild rose. Yeah. Um, um, we've also seen it in the context of um, uh, Jia Chiang. Uh, yeah, a character. So one of the young men of the household has that yeah word in his name, right? Um, but and come to think of it, did we, I think we mentioned a moment ago uh, before we started recording, wasn't Jia Chang one of the uh, characters sent to procure the, uh, the 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 young maids, yeah. the the singers? Uh, as far as I remember, yeah, he was one of the the group that went south. To, okay. Um, so is that maybe that's one context in which they got to know each other that's where this um this what seems to be a kind of romantic longing seems is it maybe that's the origin of this i think so yeah uh, i think that connection. must be how they but so much that happens as well is kind of a mystery right things that there are things happening out of sight mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily know about until there's they suddenly appear right right and that's actually like you know that's a major component of like uh more sophisticated like world building you know and so she's she's writing this over and over again um but carving it into the ground um and mm-hmm. so there yeah there's this interesting symbolism right where she's hidden away in a little in this kind of pergola i, I imagine it's kind of a frame with roof on top i suppose and the roses grow all the way up the side of the frame and then over the top and so it forms this kind of tunnel or corridor uh, completely enshrouded in in rose in roses, um, and at this time of year, as we've seen, they're they're very much kind of in, in right. full blossom. And so all around her are these roses, the the Chiang Chiang Wei, and she is there carving the same character Chiang 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 into the ground. And so there's this real like symbolic reflection between the two. Um, right she's in this kind of like um, outdoor frame and she's kind of creating her own kind of symbolic garden and maybe she's drawn to this Uh, spot because there are these visual representations of the same character you know the roses themselves are a symbol of the the thing that she's longing for Um, it's a nice scene Um, Uh, I'm kind of glad he he manages not to he doesn't put his foot in it this time you know well he, he almost blurts out, and then he manages to avoid. Right. He manages to avoid it. Um, he does still like kind of um, intrude upon the scene. You know, you, you can imagine Bao Chai would would simply just walk away, whereas he feels inclined to. What does he finally say? Well, he he says nothing at first. Um, okay, but then it begins to rain. Yeah, is that, the, so is that how the story goes? Yeah, we get a sudden summer shower. 
um, you know, out of nowhere in the in the, you know, searing heat, suddenly a, a you know a rain cloud appears, and it's you know I imagine that intensity that summer rain has, you know, where it comes on very suddenly and very very heavily, mm-hmm. um, and so he calls out to her and says, you know, don't write anymore. Look, you're getting soaked. You know, um, she's so kind of um, caught up in the um, in the writing. Uh-huh. That she hasn't even really noticed that she's been getting rained on, but presumably the same is true of Baoyu as well. He's been so, in this second-hand way, been kind of so absorbed with watching what she's doing that he hasn't noticed that he too has been soaked. Maybe he's having his own um, like kind of uh, pre-mortal dust flashback to when he was watering so intently the crimson pearl, right? And in that scene, he was completely. Uh, the one producing the water and, and so maybe he was like that's kind of the the vision that like uh entranced him to such effect that he forgot that he was himself also getting uh being repaid in kind <laughs> yeah um yeah that's all i kind of interpret that, that but e- either way she doesn't uh she doesn't quite she can't make out through the roses who it is um she can catch kind of glimpses of his figure but because he has this somewhat kind of girlish demeanor, mm-hmm. I suppose, um, she mistakes him for another one of the... Uh, she mistakes him for a maid. And so instead of running off, she replies, oh, well, you... Thank you, but you must also be getting soaked there. And then he suddenly, you know, awakes and realizes <laughs> that, yeah, he's soaked through. And so he, he rushes. He rushes home. Um, and so that kind of brings us to the next major issue where... So he'd been gone a while, and uh, some of the the male servants, uh, along with you know the female maids in tow, they'd kind of uh, done some sort of like improvisational sort of modifications to the courtyard, and they've converted it into like a, a kind of a, a little a pond, right? Yeah, yeah. They so kinda, they 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 covered the gutters, uh, and the water starts to sort of collect on the on the courtyard yeah so I'm, I'm imagining although maybe this isn't how it's laid out but i'm imagining that the house is a kind of central courtyard and around the edges of the courtyard is a kind of slightly raised gallery level where you would kind of walk in the shade and then in the center of the courtyard yeah, is a slightly s- sunken kind of square area um that yeah as you say has has these kind of drains but they've deliberately blocked them up and so this sudden summer rain has filled up this middle part of the courtyard with water turned it into a pond and then they've gathered up all kinds of birds you know ducks and similar kind of swimming birds and they've tied their wings together so they don't fly away and they've chucked them in the pond and let them kind of swim around Mm -hmm. Um, and so they're really enjoying themselves and they're laughing and and having fun and so they don't hear Bayou knocking at the door and calling Uh for some time so before before they do let Bayou in, there's one thing I want to talk to you about, which is this scene to me is preposterous. <laughs> um, I mean, like the description itself is, um, I mean, it's it's like fascinating, rather like a delightful scene to imagine. But as a matter of logistics, it's absurd to me because <laughs> because there's a sudden summer rain shower, and in that in the in the time that that rain is falling, they decide to block up their gutters and to find some ducks and throw them in the pond. 
And I mean, where would they even find them from? I, I mean, maybe somewhere in the garden, I suppose. But it would take quite a lot of organisation. <laughs> and even if it's raining very heavily, I'm kind of surprised that the courtyard could fill up to form an actual pond that ducks could swim in in such a short space of time. Mm. And while that has been going on, Balyu has run back from this pergola in another part of the garden. Uh, and I know that the garden is big, but it, to me, kind of like strains credulity that it could have taken that long for him to get back, <laughs> um, that all of this could have happened. I suppose maybe it's... I kind of have one of two theories, that either this is kind of about the somewhat dreamlike and unreal nature of the novel and particularly the life in the garden which is which is very kind of like half remembered kind of childlike memories at, at points um or alternatively it could be saying that actually Bayou was watching this actress writing out the characters uh in the rain for quite a long time before he realized that it was raining and that maybe explains why he's so thoroughly kind of uh soaked and and maybe kind of cold and shivering, I think. Mm. What do you think? You, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of more generous. Like, I, I would just say, like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I, I it, it had a sort of, um, it, it seemed a little bit dreamlike in being almost too good to be true. Uh, but maybe if you wanted to give a more, like, you know, realistic explanation for it, you could say that, well, maybe they, they've tried this in the past, and so they were ready, you know? Like the, the whole team of, and you imagine there's enough. There's a lot of. If it's just like one or two pages, what what if it's like six or seven, the, and you know you, they're organized, you get like a I one one duck per per page, and one page to to cover the. the it could they're always up to this sort of. Loss. You know, like yeah, it does seem like a kind of like the kind of thing that um, like young boys would enjoy. This kind of like. Uh, like a military uh, like exercise but also like play you know what I mean um, so <laughs> maybe there should be some fan fiction that explains this whole scene from the uh, from like the pages perspective what they're what they're going through what kind of experience they have in impromptu pond building I would, I would like to um, know more definitely yeah. and so on and so forth I mean, it seems like a farce in that, like the uh, the ducks are all kind of tied together. Another thing that I think young boys would do, it, it has a kind of, um, it's like a, a fun scene, but it's also very uh, crass in a way, like like a sort of un, a kind of unsophisticated vision of fun, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just ever, like ever so slightly cruel. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and you can imagine the female maids like sort of watching partly in horror and partly uh, just sort of like enthralled by the spectacle kind of thing. But so Bao Yu is not happy at this point. Yeah. So the, the, the magic of his own experiences has, uh, you know, has washed away and now he's left sort of um, drenched in. And so he's in, in a bad mood. And he's... he's- He's. We might call him like at this point, like a drowned rat, you know, mm-hmm. in in English. In the Chinese, it's uh, a a chicken, a rained upon chicken, a chicken literally struck by the rain, like hit by rain. <laughs> um, that apparently is the phrase they use to describe him. So he's there, outside the gate, begging for entry to his own house uh-huh. from his own <laughs> his own servants, 
And yeah, as you say, this puts him in quite a foul temper. Yeah, he's got sort of um, violent intentions. And he just sort of, he kicks the first person, the first person who gets in the way, which happens to be uh, Shiren. And it's a little harder than he maybe intended. Uh, And she is like knocked out. He catches her, yeah, he catches Aroma Shiren right in the ribs. Um, And we think probably quite hard. Um, And I mean, I don't know. It's described as he kind of only half really sees he he's he knows someone's let him in and he's decided that he's in such a bad mood that he's going to kick out the first person he sees and it's suggested he only really half knows it's her he doesn't i i don't know i think that this is we may be seeing things from a certain perspective um and uh-huh you know maybe it's kind of justification after the fact so, uh-huh right um, um and so here Aroma seems to, she wants to kind of um, downplay the incident, partly for her own sake, um, you know, because had he actually meant that for her, that's a, you know, that, that like her, that estimation, you know, would be known by other people, you know, you got to like play the game kind of, and so they act as if it was a mistake. Yeah. And uh, Bao Yu regrets it. And later she, uh, I think she, spits up blood so it's kind of a yeah yeah we hear that the, the whole like the, yeah the whole chapter is feels like this um series of blunders that seem to almost escalate until so yeah what do you think like did, did you see that kind of that connection or like yeah i think this is <laughs> what's interesting is um he says this is the first time he's ever hit a servant right kicking her now and earlier in the scene, when Lady Wang sits up in bed and slaps Golden across the mm-hmm. face, she also says, this is the first time she's ever struck a servant. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, maybe that genuinely is true, but it seems oh. mighty coincidental to me. Um, and maybe the... I'm a bit skeptical of some of the details in this chapter, whether they... Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know what you what, what you make of it. Right, that. yeah. Like, are we supposed to um, draw upon that... That parallel, right? That both um, Bao Yu and his mother, you know, kind of in one fell swoop, crossed the same line. Yeah, both so provoked to anger, yeah. I mean, it's it's just kind of assumed that that, that perfectly normal and acceptable is a thing to do, though. You know, she, when Bao Yu is talking to her, to Siren, to Aroma, she says, you know, if it had been one of the one of the other servants. They, I'm sure, they of course would have deserved it. They're they're so insolent nowadays. It's enough to put anyone in a rage. Um, right, which speaks to again these kind of um, these like sort of uh, intra occupational struggles or what what, you, what have you. You know, the, the lack of solidarity between the maids and their they're kind of vying for status and attention and. Uh, and access to Baoyu, which we've, we've seen a lot of, actually. So, yeah, I think at the end here, it's... I'm not sure what we're supposed to, like, feel from this chapter. I think we're going to have to place it uh, relative to what happens in the next few chapters to see... It's kind of like the first movement of a sonata. We have to see where it goes to understand where we've been. <laughs> I mean, where we do leave it is, as you mentioned, um, Aroma acting as though it, the kick wasn't really that bad and, and she p- understands perfectly why he would 
um, why he would lash out like this. And it is remarkable, I think this term gets overused, but it's remarkable the amount of emotional labor that she does as part of her job. The the amount of work, I guess, that she does in pretending that, um, I guess in like adjusting or, or, or like adapting her position to make her, you know, employer or superiors feel comfortable about their behavior, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. um, Maybe you could draw a, a contrast then in her kind of ability to navigate these circumstances with Golden's apparent inability to properly navigate, you know, these kind of like vagaries, right? And so that kind of speaks to, I think, uh, Shiren's sort of uh, mental acuity, at least in terms of, you know, like, yeah, uh, dealing with power and um, managing it, which which often involves, you know, a lot of um, dissimulation and deception and, and self-deception and uh, like not only knowing the rules, but, you know, like knowing the rules that... yeah. Uh, govern when the rules are apply and are not to apply to give it a kind of Zizekian uh, uh, spin yeah. if you want knowing the meta rules she is very she's very adept at it right she, yeah, exactly the meta rules she she understands all of that anyway having having received this kick and uh, acted as though she was grateful for it mm-hmm. she um, goes about her business for the rest of the day and then that evening goes to bed and as she takes off her clothes, she sees there's this large black bruise um, uh, on the side of her chest where where the kick was. Um, and it's causing her a lot of pain. And during the night, she keeps waking up from it and indeed coughs up um, bright red blood. And that's... that's So yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how the chapter ends. It ends on that point, yeah. Is that maybe... Is, is the red blood... Is that referring back to the the red roses again is that kind of um kind of a, a connection we're supposed to make i hadn't made that one told me but talk me through it but i i don't know you know this like uh maybe it's yeah it's it's showing both the symbol but also it's uh it's like trace you know it's and so the symbol is, is kind of pure image but maybe it's also um you know backed up by blood right that kind of goes to issues interpreting you know what does red mean in, in any given circumstance is it a sign of livelihood is is it like uh, is it blood red does that mean it's strong uh, or, or is it is that what happens when you know um, blood has been spilled and, and you have tragedy and I guess that's kind of yeah that's why like this kind of stuff uh, will drive your your engineering classmate um, nutty because it's just like well how do I like what? How do I interpret the color red? It's in the title of the book. <laughs> I need to have a clear interpretation for what it means in any given scene. Uh, and and you just you you go mad you'd go mad trying to um, enumerate the possibilities, even though everything is, yeah. So it's everything is familiar to us, but also um, unspeakable. It's too complicated. So do you have any? What, what are you thinking about right now? I'm still just thinking over my opinion of yeah most of the characters in this book particularly the the kind of the upper members of the household um and yeah how just i do <laughs> do increasingly find them quite unpleasant um i i don't know i don't feel like i'm really rooting for anyone at the moment um <laughs> although i suppose if if i had to pick a character uh i know that you like dayu 
Yeah, team die you. Yeah, I'm still I on think, the same team. I think I'd rather root for Balchai, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, quite I like mean, her. yeah, she's also a... And, and we're going to see uh, uh, Dayu and Balchai's friendship blossoming uh, as the chapters progress. Mm. Uh, and so there's a lot of room for... Um, yeah, for a positive dialogue between uh, Team Dayu and Team Baochai. You know, this is kind of the like the the perennial question with when you're dealing with literature and how to like deal with it in a sophisticated quote unquote uh, capacity. Because on one hand, th- there's the assumption that like you're not supposed to engage in transference with the characters. You're not supposed to identify. You're supposed to. Uh, kind of almost a, a, attain this like godlike uh, objectivity over the art form, right? And, and so, and that this like capacity allows you to, you know, watch you know avant-garde film where you know the the, the plot line is uh, obscured or you know the the, the production production values are questionable or what what have you. Um, <laughs> versus it's it's a it's assumed to be kind of um uh less sophisticated if you simply identify with one or the other character right but at the same time there's a question you know if you don't like if you don't like any of the characters and what's the point of like do you really even want to engage with them and it you know it it, it and isn't identification itself a kind of like social or cognitive skill that we should be emphasizing right so in that way, like maybe you should be identifying with all the characters. Or does that, where does the um, the the discourse lead us? Like, what are we what are we really supposed to positively be doing? Because it just seems like, as is often the case, you just have a, a lot of negative comments. Yeah. I, but when when the like the prescriptive material is always somewhat obscured, always a little bit beyond the horizon. I guess we do need to try to identify the 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 good parts of any character. Um, okay. Okay. You know, I think, and not just not necessarily condemn them all or or or, or give up on them um mm. um but 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 i think that's one of the things that does stick out about this novel is that it is uh it, it's it tells us in the first chapter that there are, this isn't a great fable there aren't heroic character there aren't there aren't heroic characters and there aren't necessarily great moral lessons to be taught um and this right this chapter especially makes that quite clear it has a, almost the the feel of a confession, right? Um, so maybe this is all kind of a a confession, and you could maybe like compare it to Augustine or something. Yeah, yeah actually, um, yeah, it's the confessions of Salustian. <laughs> okay. Um, how about we end it there? I, I think it's been a pretty good a pretty good episode. Uh, so this has been chapter thirty. Next week we're gonna. Jump to chapter 31. A torn fan is the price of silver laughter. And a lost chilean is the clue to a happy marriage. So this has been Rereading the Stone. Uh, check us out on all your favorite podcasting apps. We're also on the web. Uh, you can find us at twitter.com slash rereadingstone. And on facebook.com slash rereadingthestone. Uh, we always love to get uh, feedback, commentary, and critique. Um, it's if you if you rate and review the post, it'll help your it'll help the uh, the greater internet community find us more easily. <laughs> so feel free to uh, to do that as well. But until next time, uh, have a a lovely day and bye bye. <laughs>
Thank you. Bye-bye.